I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Jack River, and this is To Rebel in the Times. A meander into the minds of creators and thinkers forging a path of change in these wild times connecting us to the seeds of rebellion planted in our past and emerging into our future. This episode was recorded from my home on Yuin Country. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging and pay special respect to any First Nations listeners. I always try to put our land acknowledgements in the basic sense of what it is. And it's it really is just basic manners. I mean, with Welcome to Country as well, it's can I, can I come through your land? And I cross. Alaskan psych pop band Portugal the Man have an impressive history of using their music to pass the mic and encourage impact wherever they go. As they topped US and global charts, won a Grammy, and made over nine albums, they've socially mobilized their listeners, building community resilience, empathy, and awareness through music, namely through Portugal the Man Foundation. Portugal the Men consistently share their stage and platform with First Nations people. Since their 2018 tour, they've dedicated the opening of every set for performances, poems, dances and speeches by local First Nations artists and leaders from the local area they're performing in. For this chat, frontman John Gawley and I caught up from our respective lockdowns. I first met John on Instagram after a certain cultural moment in Australia, but we will talk about that later. I just want to flag that this conversation was recorded days before the death of George Floyd and the subsequent global uprising that followed. All right. Well, hello, John, and welcome to To Rebel in the Times. Thank you so much for joining me all the way from Portland. Yep, a ways away. Yes. Tell me about where you are right now. Are you in your beautiful wooden house? Yeah, we are living in a cabin on the Sandy River in Troutdale, and uh, it's it's been really chill, actually. I mean, we, we moved out here like right before we went into lockdown in Portland. Uh, we finished the studio, moved in, and then we just got stuck here. Yeah, which you is sensed the storm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. Stepping into what we're going to talk about today, um, can you tell me a little bit about growing up in Willow, Alaska, and what are some of of the earliest memories you have with your family and the environment there? Yeah, so we – it's kind of hard to 
I guess it's not hard to describe the way we grew up, but it is very different, even for Alaskans. And it's something that, like, I think growing up there, you, you just growing up anywhere, you take things for granted. You know, it's just kind of like, this is what it is. I, I remember growing up on the the Cook Inlet, which you guys all know Captain Cook. Uh, yeah, we know that we guy. Have, we have that in common. Um, ah. So I grew up on the, the Cook Inlet, and... We would have beluga whales in our backyard. I mean, closest neighbor was like five miles. Um, see bears, you see moose. I, we would walk around the woods and we'd find porcupines and follow them around for fun just to see where they were going. <laughs> and in all of this, we had my parents' record collections and the music that they brought up to Alaska with them. And... Everything was like pre seventy, basically. It was uh, we listened to a lot of like the oldies station. There was something really romantic about that idea that like we could be out in a cabin listening to the same music that people would be listening to in Sydney, you know, in Australia. And uh, yeah, I just really loved that. I, I love the connection that music makes for people. Yeah, it's so wild. Uh, that's such a beautiful image sitting in, you know, far, far away Alaska, like connecting to the, those weird imaginations of other humans. I think I remember doing that. I didn't grow up in such a rural area, but it was still super far from the city. The city was just like a bunch of, I don't know, images that I never kind of had a touch with but listening to like the beach boys and stuff when I was 10 in a little country coastal town it's just like I don't know like it felt like outer space <laughs> like those sounds you you know compared to yeah little country yeah. coastal towns <laughs> did you ever imagine as a kid that you would be where you are today or did you like those strands of nature and connection and music do they ever you know, make weird little images of your future that you find yourself in now? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I never wanted to do any of this. I Just, like, totally honest about it. Like, I was a really, really, like, painfully shy kid. I hated attention. Uh, even Zach, like, I played music with, with Zach since we were, like, 15. And he doesn't even remember me at 15. And I... <laughs> played music with him like I would go to his house and have him show me how to play like Minor Threat and Sepultura and Slayer and all these like Rage Against the Machine like he would he would show me how to play all this stuff and I just wanted to play in my bedroom I honestly like I never wanted to leave the state I didn't think I could yeah just the thought of flying across the ocean to Europe was just so out of reach like that that will never happen for me and we've done it 40 times now it's so wild and life yeah eh? (laughs) yeah it's weird (laughs) and obviously you and the band have an incredibly powerful passion for indigenous rights and underrepresented groups that's now a driving force in your career and we're going to talk about that in depth but you know sitting in the bedroom with zach did you ever did you feel at that time what you feel now or when did kind of yours and the band's feelings on these issues collide with your music was that an intention from the beginning 
Um, yeah, I th- I think it was, and it it, it wasn't because again, it's it's you take these things for granted. Like you you grow up in this and this like really rich culture, and like we interact with Nupiak and Athabascan and Clinket, and it's that's just a part of everyday life when you're there. I mean, just to compare it to the beluga whales in my backyard, I would have friends come over and they would, other Alaskan friends would see whales and they'd say, oh my God, you have whales in your backyard. And we'd go, yeah, I know, we got whales back there. It's yeah. Alaska. Let's <laughs> go play. Let's do something else. And yeah. it, it's something that we really didn't even think about and, and really honestly didn't understand and this is something that I think is really great for for everybody to know about us. Like, we didn't understand this. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not something like, not everybody is just born knowing, like, what all of this means. It, it, it's, our journey is about these, like, moments of choice. And it's it's seeing something and saying, oh, wow, that's wrong. I shouldn't do it. And there's this weird, like, there's this thing as an American, like, you're born with this. I, I know you have it in Australia, too. I've seen it. Like, you're born with this, like, it's my right. I can do this. It's my right. Like, uh, you just have this entitlement where... Little fucking shits. Yeah, you, but you just don't even think about it. Like, it's yeah. just kind of, like, buried in there somewhere. And I do remember coming down to the States and... Kind of just thinking like like Native Americans and like indigenous peoples down here, I thought they were just gone. I mean, we you hear stories about reservations and you never really see them. The casinos, like you never really see it. And as you travel around, we just started to notice the lack of representation. And I mean, we, we had moments along the way where like we really didn't catch it. And it was just, there was a moment... When, like, we, we saw a band, and I, I won't name them, but somebody was at their show with wearing a headdress. And the reaction from the band really showed us, like, what this, this meant. But it was, uh, there's an indigenous person, like, somebody from the area said, hey, that's offensive, that's my culture. This is basically what happened. That's offensive, she didn't take off the headdress and the singer stopped the show and brought her on stage and they danced together and kind of just went harder and and saying like, oh, no, we're representing you. Like, this is this is not out of like, we're not trying to disrespect you. Uh, this is out of respect. And like they made this whole speech. And I remember Zach and I talking about it afterwards and Rich, our manager, and just talking about like, that's not on yeah like somebody just told you that it's it's not right yeah so why why are you still doing it yeah so that so that happened and you kind of start to put all this stuff together and it's it's like oh I, i guess that's that's not okay and this is growing up a kid who like we we played cowboys and indians yeah uh you if you go to a halloween store if you go to a costume store like you find a headdress there like right away that's probably one of the first costumes you see yeah and you're so used to like these things being around you, Coachella, like festivals, like that's a part of festivals. Like people put on the war paint and do the whole thing. And it's, 
yeah, it's offensive. I mean, yeah. That's somebody's culture. Like, that's... And there's so much more meaning behind it than just feathers in a, in a headband. Yeah, and do you think culture-wide, even though the, um, we've all had access to that information, perhaps so many people in our countries haven't or they haven't listened or they haven't had that chance to make a connection and, and have an exchange of a deeper knowledge and deeper understanding? Well, I, I think people... There's a lot of guilt involved, and people just generally don't want to admit fault. You know, like that's that's just how we're built for whatever reason. I'm right, you're wrong. Uh, forever will be the case. Yep. And it's it's just something I I think it's really important to understand that there's a lot of crossover with within these groups. I mean. When we post anything about land acknowledgments on on uh, our social media, I mean, we get kickbacks sometimes, and I can tell you immediately from looking at the comment exactly what their profile looks like. Mm-hmm. And it, it will be somebody who's out fishing, somebody out hunting, somebody in national parks, somebody floating a river. Like, it, their profile will be full of it, and it's enjoying the spoils. And and this leads us to um, the incredibly magic and wonderfully important way that you've pledged to begin every Portugal The Man show, starting from your 2018 tour. Um, for anyone listening who might not have seen this, you know, Australians um, perhaps, can you tell us what this looks like? So it actually started in Australia. Did it? In Australia, you actually have a thing called Welcome to Country. And it's, I loved how, how like, it's like this really basic understanding. It, I mean, it's treated like manners. And you have a website where you can go and get this done, which is the hardest part. Like, as an artist, like, how do I even reach out? Like, who do I message? Yes. How do I know what land I'm on? I mean, they have apps for this stuff, but, like, you really, like, if you're on the outside of it, you have no idea how to do it and we reached out to to welcome the country when we were coming coming out there in in 2018 and was it 2018 or 2017 well i think it was so did this begin um with the sunrise situation yes yeah, yeah cool so um in 2018 you were set to appear on australian morning telly show sunrise but after they aired a segment discussing opening up, in inverted commas, Indigenous youth adoption with not one Indigenous member on the panel and with one commentator, Prue McSween, saying, just like the first stolen generation where a lot of children were taken for their well-being, we need to do it again. You boycotted the show and that was so incredibly important to so many Australians to see someone from another country coming in and and making a stand and talking about it. And then after that, is it correct that you um, met with uh, Gadigal elder Alan Madden? Yeah, I, we, I think we actually dropped off Sunrise the night that we, on, we met Uncle Alan Madden uh, in Sydney. And yeah, the dropping off of Sunrise, like that was one of those, like it, it, it went against everything that we believe in. And I remember having the discussions with the host and producers and them trying to convince us to do the show regardless. And 
and just saying like, oh, no, it wasn't us that said it, it was a, this panel member, it was a guest. And my position on that is it's just, I, I hate that people feel like it's all right to bring on controversial figures because it gets clicks. Yeah. And like, quit giving them a platform. It's not real. Like they're not, <laughs> they have no idea what they're talking about and they shouldn't be talking for people. Um for for an entire people and it's i guess the whole thing came down to uh hanging with monster children and mcclay harriet mm-hmm. beautiful um, man yes yeah, sally quaid actually pointed out and our friend uh, clementine pointed it out that what had happened on sunrise and as a foreign band like you can't expect us to know like we we just kind of show up <laughs> we, we pick up our guitars and we play on the show so it it really takes a group of friends like that to say like, hey, hold up, this actually goes against all of your values. And they've known us and they know our history and they know our morals and where we stand, especially on this this issue. And I I just can't thank them enough. I mean, McClay, Clementine, Sally, and just all of Monster Children for standing behind us on, on that situation. Because it really did send us down this path of, and, and this is something good for artists to know, like, you, you can say no. Like, it, there is value in that. Absolutely. And yeah, the irony in, like, a lot of this, too, is, like, a lot of the kickback we got was, I mean, Sunrise is one of the biggest programs you can play in Australia, right? Like, it's, it's a pretty big thing. It's like our little Good Morning America or something. Yeah, it's it's like this huge deal. And I know everybody flipped out about it. And I won't throw anybody under the bus. But there were a lot of people around us like, really angry that we did it. And I just remember on socials, people going, like, Oh, you're just doing this for attention. And I remember thinking, like, why would we do this for attention? Like, why, what would make yeah, us that's... do that? Like, why would this get more attention than sunrise? And the irony is, it did. Yeah, I mean, I can have an Australia centric comment here, but we have such a small media world and such limited opportunities that when artists are um, starting their careers and they're presented with these opportunities, but they go against their values, they kind of, a lot of them don't have the confidence to stand up against these media outlets because there's only like three. So I think for so many Australian artists, that moment from, from you guys and that standing up was so important. And I think that's how we connected. I like commented on your Instagram and I'll, I'll never forget it. And I, you know, it just sits in my kind of heart as like an example of saying no and it having such a real reverberation in an industry. Yeah. I mean, the power of no, like that, that's very, very real. So that incredible connection with Uncle Alan Madden in Sydney inspired you to make make that welcome to country um, throughout your 2018 tour. You continued that by dedicating the opening of your set for performances, poems, political lectures, dances and speeches by local tribal artists, tribal leaders and activists. Um, can you tell me a little about a little bit of you know, what that looks like at a show and how it feels. Yeah, so I always try to put our land acknowledgements in the basic sense of what it is. And it's it really is just basic manners. 
I mean, with welcome the country as well. It's can I can I come through your land? Can I cross? It's a weird thing because like we we call it like passing the mic. Like we just pass the mic, and it's more about what are the issues that that are going on, like and creating this shared learning experience because that's what we got from Uncle Alan Madden and Auntie Marucci Barumba in in Melbourne too. It was we were learning about the land, we were learning about the history and the issues and they were so similar to our our issues back home and i think it's a really great way to set an example for politicians and for bands as well um you don't need to speak for people uh take take a bit of your guarantee and just put it towards like a donation or something and just it's their their land it's their stage Yes. Like you don't need to take take that moment to jump on the mic and be all political and the center of attention on it. You can give it to them and let them speak and, and see the way your audience reacts. I, I think it's a really great example for politicians. Yes. I mean, that's like always my goal is like, what is a politician going to see when they come to our show? They're going to see their constituents talking and having like discourse and having this like, like, what, what do your constituents think of it? They seem like they love this idea. They seem like they love it. You know, it's it sounds pretty good. And they get to see that in real time. And that's that's kind of what we did, like, with the Bernie rallies, too. I mean, that was, like, our stipulation. Like, well, we want to come and play for, for Bernie. And we, we want to be there. But we have to do land acknowledgement. Like, we, we have to do that. And we have to do it in a way that is true to to the people not not just a like so many people think like it's a what is it is it like a song is it dancing like do a they tokenistic cast a, thing yeah do they cast a spell is it like mm-hmm. a when you start to think of it as as manners like really start applying that to your like nationalist ideas i mean really start like crossing over like i i don't fucking want to talk to anybody that agrees with what we think I want to talk to the people that don't, you know, I want to present it to people that might not understand it. I think that's so um, interesting that, you know, you're thinking that way. I fully secretly think that way too about everything I do. It's like a little example or rehearsal for politicians to watch because yeah, the more I think about our role and what the fuck we can do that actually makes an impact. I think of us as like people's politicians that tell messages in a creative way and secretly you're just wishing that the real system in inverted commas is watching and listening and may change in some tiny form. So one thing to understand about this is like, it's not about immediate change. Like, none of this is about, like, it's, it, I want it to happen now. I want it to happen today. But it's, it's about passing on these ideas to, like, indigenous youth. Like, it's passing on these ideas. Like, it's empowering people. And it's also, it's weaponizing your privilege. You, you have this mic. You have this stage. Use it. Like, quit fucking, like, it's not about you. I mean, it's, it's why we have so many books around us when we're writing like just like inspiration if there's something that like you feel in that like 
Go ahead and say it. That's so great. I was just about to ask you about the books laying around your studio because when I visited you in your studio in the windy Hollywood Hills um, when you were making your latest album at Slash You Still Are Right. um, Yeah, of course. (laughs) There were so many books scattered around and books on anarchy, indigenous history, whack philosophy. Tell me about that and what it means to you. I, I like to see just ideas that are very raw and real. Um, it's you, you take in a little bit of history, you take in a little bit of the anarchy, but you always like understand like you know, even w- like when we talk about anarchy and like Antifa and like all of these things, like they're they're all problematic and. I probably shouldn't even go down this road, this road no, actually. actually. This is a huge you, mistake. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, can you can you tell us some of those books you're reading? Because I wanted to ask you anyway. <laughs> well, right now I'm reading The War of Art because I have no idea how to write a song anymore. And Neither? it's all confusing. This this is about breaking through the blocks. <laughs> Cool. And, I'm and winning on your and creative battles right now. Yeah, you should get that. And then 1491 is the one that I pulled out um, to start reading about the history of America pre-Columbus. And I can't like we're we're just nerds, man. Like we're and that's that's something that I I feel like it's it's become so problematic you know, like politically. Like, just, like, wanting to know, like, wanting to understand. You probably fucking hate um, being asked about this, but I just really want to ask so people know if they don't know and they're listening to this podcast. Um, But on Feel It Still, you really did weave some pretty incredible historical references in that if you're not, like, a deep PTM fan, maybe you wouldn't notice can you tell me about the years 1966 and 1986 that you reference? It's uh, so 1966 is like civil rights movement, and there, there's a lot around that date. Um, I'll tell you the honest way lyrics come together, yeah, and and, and how it relates to us. Um, we've always talked about family, and we've always talked about political issues in, in our music, but we do it in a way that's not necessarily like a, a parent. Like we give you the opportunity to read into it and figure out what that means. Like what does it mean to you it can be different than it means to us, but you should have the opportunity. And f- for me, so I, I was really singing about my, my daughter and I was singing about like how, like what it's like to leave home and we're still these punks. Like, like that's the rebel just for kicks. Like, we just like fucking with shit. Like we have problems everywhere. <laughs> and Portugal man is always down for a fist fight. And I have a kid. So like, how do you balance that? And honestly, like these kind of things just rolled off. And it, it, and it was like, I've been feeling this way since 1966 was really just thinking about my dad and he, like the way they've raised us and they raised us like making those things visible 
You know, when we talk about the book ban in Alaska and banning books that are anti-war or anti-capitalism and materialism and banned for anti-white messaging, which is, it's, that stuff's scary. Yeah. Because you're, you're trying to get rid of history. And the song was kind of our way to drop in a little bit of history and like make reference to the civil rights movement. And then at the same time, within the same breath, say, let me kick it like it's 1986 is that's straight up Beastie Boys. Uh, that is kick it. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's just something that so naturally came out. And then the bridge is like a reference to George Carlin, which is fighting a war for peace is like screwing for virginity. And I always just thought that was such a great quote. Honestly, like that's probably what the books in the room do is they give you these little reference points. And this is something that Bob Dylan always says too. Like the lyrics don't really mean anything until they mean something. Yeah. And I love that so much. And I think, um, what makes that song so relevant to kind of what I'm trying to investigate in this podcast is that line that like, it might be over now, but I feel it still. And what the fuck are we feeling? What are we, is our generation going to, to step up? I mean, we are, but what else do we need to do? And, and where, you know, where is our army and let's talk to them kind of thing. So like, when you were, when you did that show with Bernie Sanders or when you do your own shows, what is it that you feel still slash what what do you think our generation are feeling and like do you feel a part of that? Well, that that line I think in particular is is really talking about how um like we're not racist anymore. We're over it. Like that that doesn't happen. Like that's that doesn't exist today. Yeah. I mean that's it's so easily easily brushed brushed aside. And that you you can't sweep racism under the rug because like oh it's a person of color said it like that's that's not how this works and because they can vote and because they can eat in the same restaurants as us does not mean it's gone and and look at indigenous peoples i mean that's that's kind of my point of reference on everything it's always going to come back to the umbrella of indigenous and how, I'll, I'll tell how you we treat the the forefathers and mothers of culture in our land. If we can't treat them, if we can't treat the past well, how can we step forward into the future? Exactly, it's this idea that like, well, there was a war, we won, they lost, so we get it. And like, okay, do you think that's right? Not do you think it? It's like lawful and whatever. Like, is it like that? Might be a part of like the way you live. Do you think it's right? Do you think it's right? Can I just come to your house and take your house from you? I think with with the idea of, of indigenous is we're all indigenous to, to some place. I mean, we're all from somewhere. Like they, you might have to dig deeper to find it. Um, I mean, just meeting with Auntie Pua Case, uh, I'm, I'm on Kea in, in Hawaii, like being out there and talking to her about her German ancestry. And how she had to really dig to find, like, where are the songs? Like, where are the robes? Like, where's the regalia? Like, where's my, mm. like, history? You can find it if you dig, dig back far enough. It's just hidden. And I think with this idea of indigenous, it 
it really applies. Like, you want to talk about environmental issues? Let's talk about indigenous. Like, let's talk about indigenous knowledge. You want to talk about, like, planting a million trees, Elon Musk? Let's, uh, how about instead we buy some land and we give it back to the people of that land and we rewild it versus planting rows and rows of trees where you see no deer, no rabbits, no food, no berries. Like, let's let's rewild that area and, and why don't you put a team of lawyers in there to try and put that land in a trust and get federal recognition for that tribe or nation? You know, why don't we do that? Like, why aren't we, like, looking ahead? Like, we want to talk about race issues. You want to talk about Black Lives Matter. You want to talk about all these things. Like, go into Doctrine of Discovery and, and really think about, like, why all these laws are in place. Like, why you're being oppressed. Like, Understand. how this came to be. Go deeper. Spend some time. Yeah, it's about digging deeper. And, and it is about that umbrella cause. It's, it's like, hey, you want, you want reparations? Let's look at it on the scale of the American Indian. Like, let's look at it on that scale. Because you know what? I've been to fucking places where the reservation is an acre. It's an acre of land, which is so small. My, my house is on three acres of land. And you know what? If you don't live on that reservation, you don't get any of the rights. You don't get any of the government funding. You don't get any of the support. It's... Like, why can't it be two acres? Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. I, I end up thinking that as we travel, we go through these places where the reservation is like a mile. I'm like, why isn't it two? Like, why isn't it three? Yeah. Like, why can't we put more towards this? Like, why can't we get deeper on whose land that really is? Because a, a lot of the history here is like, I'm sure you have it in, in Australia because there's thousands and thousands of different groups right? Mm-hmm. There, aren't there thousands of groups out there? Like it's there. They have this idea that when colonizers came here, they just saw brown people mm. and they stuck them all on one piece of land. And it would be so many, like it would be all these different groups and different tribes on the same land. And they think it's unintentional, but it's, it's intentional. Like they're, they're doing this on purpose to, to, break down your bloodline and like get you to adopt like some of our ways of, of thinking and break down your history and your culture. And you know what they're going to do eventually too? Like if you don't like kill each other off or uh, fight it out, they're going to split up that land again and they're going to give the better land to the people that didn't historically inhabit it. Yeah. And, and a lot of the time it doesn't even matter. Like it's just you're giving land to... Like, oh, our bad. Like, we didn't realize you were two different groups, Winnebago and, and Oklahoma. Like, let's, uh, let's break this up. <clears throat> and you take the better land and you take the worst land. And then it stirs hate within their communities. And that's just, like, what we do. That's how we oppress people. We take away everything. I mean, you take language. What I'm hearing from you and being reminded about is just going local and going deep and For so many Australians, um, there are blockages and it's just about going and sitting and spending time and and doing the research and listening to elders and actually, yeah, you know, if you can't find one way, find another way. Like I think that's what I'm getting from everything you're talking about and this whole conversation, which has been so (laughs) wonderful. I I could – 
um, listen to you speak and think about these things forever. And I feel so like renewed to write music and also just, yeah, to think. <laughs> we will end on a bright note um, by asking a question I, I kind of asking everyone in a roundabout way, which is if you were speaking to someone a little younger, someone starting out who has the will to want to make some kind of change, but they're kind of looking at a giant, you know, mountain, a perceived mountain ahead of them. What would you say? What's one practical little piece of advice you'd give someone to rebel in the times? I think it's just research and and understand as much as you can and, and just understand the power of choice. I mean, when you see something you know to be wrong, you can say something and you can say no. It's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you you can you can stand by who you are. I think if if I were saying anything to kids, it's just be true to who you are, and who you are changes yeah. all the time. So, uh, just understand the power of of no. Understand the power of your voice and standing up for others. I mean, it's it's it always comes down to that for me. Like it's it's not about you; it's about us, and it, we're all in this together. So think about the person next to you, as well. I mean, have discussions. That's yeah. that's the whole point of like shared learning experiences. Like share that learning experience. See, we need to hear this, John. That was beautiful. <laughs> thank right. you so thank you so Ugh. so much for. All of that energy and conversation, I'm so, yeah, excited to listen back. And, yeah, thank you, honestly. Thanks to John and Portugal the Man for sharing this time with me and for setting a solid and sincere example of the power of standing up for one's values and for showing all of us how important it is to continuously research, question, listen and challenge our views and understandings. For Australian artists wanting to support First Nations voices, check out Common Ground on Instagram or at their website. If you're not sure whose land you're on, get in touch with the local land council or First Nations organisation. And for people listening in Australia, you can also check out firstnationsresourcedirectory.com. Join me at Terrebel in the Times Instagram where we'll be continuing this conversation. And don't miss next week's episode, it's a really good one. This podcast is made independently with Jess Hamilton, Pete Covington and Unified Management. You can subscribe to To Rebel in the Times on any podcast player and if you like what you hear, please leave me a review. I would love to hear from you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.